We love you, Jesus. And the Bible says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, faster than you can blink, you're not going to have time to repent. You're not going to have time to go get somebody. The Bible says now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. I, I just got to believe there's a trumpet going to sound pretty soon. Hey friend, the world can't get much worse than what it is. Hallelujah! I'll tell you like this, I don't care if God gives me a cardboard box on a gravel road. A mansion will be nice and and walls of jasper and gates of pearl would be nice, but I just want to be in heaven with Jesus because that's what will make heaven heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn around and greet somebody in the name of the Lord. Tell them how glad you are to see them in the house of God. Tell them you look skinnier. Imagine what next week will look like. Oh, hallelujah. Don't you, doesn't it feel good in the house of God tonight? Amen, amen, amen. We're going to turn to the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 17. We're going to begin reading at verse 19. Once again, by way of reminder, we have missions conference coming up. This church is a missions-minded church. Amen. I'm not going to do pledge cards for this missions conference. I'm asking you just to maintain or increase whatever you feel the Lord would have you to do, your missions giving for this year. We will take up a missions offering uh, that weekend. But as far as pledge cards... I want you just to, between you and the Lord, keep doing what you're doing. Amen. I don't have an exact figure tonight, but by missions conference, I'll be able to tell you how much this church has given toward missions. We're going to have Brother Kevin Borders with us. We're also going to have Brother Thornton. Brother Thornton will be preaching Saturday night. Brother Borders will be preaching Sunday night. And it will be a dynamic weekend in the Holy Ghost. We're also going to have Brother Brad Thompson. He's a missionary, very seasoned missionary to Guatemala. He will be with us, and I'm working on getting uh, another missionary. But nonetheless, it's going to be a great weekend in the Lord, and I'm asking you to make plans to attend both services. Touch your neighbor and say both services. Both services. They're going to be equally as impactful. Amen. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? In other words, how come we can't perform what you perform? Jesus said, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall uh, remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and 
fasting. Amen. What a great time for us to preach on prayer and fasting. Amen. I want to preach tonight on three elements of power. Three elements. Takes all three to have power. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated tonight. It was the desire of Jesus. Not for his disciples and his followers to be spectators. But he wanted them to be participators. Everything that he did was to provide an example for them to follow. There's two types of people in the kingdom. There's consumers and there's contributors. And the economy in the physical gets out of balance when there's more consumers than there are contributors. Amen? When the job, joblessness rate starts increasing, that means more demand is put on the consumers or on the contributors to provide for the consumers. The same thing happens in the spirit. You can be a contributor or you can be a consumer. And God said, the Lord said, I'm going to give you power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And that power is going to be able to, it's going to enable you to be a contributor to the kingdom of God. This is why Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Now, I'm going to mess you up here. I'm going to mess you up. You don't have to have the Holy Ghost to cast out a devil. You don't have to have the Holy Ghost to lay hands on the sick and watch them be healed. I could take you to YouTube videos right now, not fake ones, real ones, where people that don't even believe like us are casting out devils, laying hands on the sick. You know why? Because it's the believer. Jesus said, if you will believe, then I'm going to honor my name. Everything that he listed was based upon the name. All right? So we, as Holy Ghost-filled, power-filled believers, we have no excuse to not operate in the realm of contributing to the kingdom of God. I believe, and I can point it out in Scripture, it's not the will of God for all miracles to happen in the church, for all devils to be cast out in the church, for all of the things that God intended for us to do happen just in church. But the church is not a building, it's a body. And it's the will of God for us to operate in the realm of power that God intended for us to operate. There are three elements. You've got to think of this as a vehicle. There's three elements to a vehicle. that You've got to have them to go somewhere. You've got to have gas or diesel fuel. You've got to have oil in an engine. And you've got to have wheels. You don't have those three. You're not going anywhere. Takes all three. And so this is what Jesus said. 
They said, why could we not cast the devil out? And he said, because of your unbelief. And then he says, if you had faith, that's the first element to power, is you've got to have faith. He said, if you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain, be thou removed. Now listen, he wasn't given a promise, he was given a principle. We mistake promise and principle. Jesus never said, intended for somebody to walk up to a mountain and say, be thou removed. He was showing you the principle of how powerful faith is. He said, you can speak to that mountain, be thou removed, and it's going to be cast away in the sea. But you've got to have faith. Faith is the foundation. Faith is the wheels. It's what gets you moving in the direction God wants you to move. And, and I, we, we've heard it preached all the time. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Remember that song, Faith, Faith, Faith? You don't need a whole lot. Just use what you got. We always talked about the size of a mustard seed. How compared to all the seeds, it's so small, but then it produces. But one day when I was at the feed store, my parents owned a feed store, and I ran it, and uh, ran it right in the ground. But anyhow, I ran it. We sold mustard seeds. And, and we would sell them, in a 50, we'd buy a 50-pound bag of mustard seed. That is a lot of mustard seed. And we would sell them in a little tiny scoop. And sometimes people would want more than, than, than a little bag. They'd want a, a pretty good bag. And one day, these people came in the store and they said, can we have all your, your mustard greens outside? And I'm thinking to myself, I don't even know where mustard greens are. I didn't plant no mustard greens. I have no clue what you're talking about. Because we had a porch that was about bumper high that went around the building that they would pack, they'd back up to that porch. And it was a rock uh, parking lot. And so they, I said, well, what, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. They said, well, come outside. So I walked outside. And, and I'm telling you, I didn't know nothing about gardening. I didn't know the only vegetables I saw was at the store in a can. Okay, I didn't know nothing about anything. And underneath, lining our porch was just mustard greens everywhere. People would drop seeds on their way out, and those greens would begin to grow. And I just thought they were weeds. I just saw them. I'd weed eat them down. I'd go by. Didn't know nothing about them. I said, "Sure, get all save me on the weed eating. Get all the mustard greens you want." But the Lord began to deal with me that day, not just about the size of a mustard seed, but those mustard seeds were not planted in fertile soil. It wasn't tilled up pretty in rows. They fell in just old rocky soil. And the Lord began to deal with me and said, I want my people to have the kind of faith that will produce in spite of any situation that they find themselves in. Not just the size of the seed, but the strength of the seed. That determination in my faith that says it doesn't matter what my life looks like. I'm just going to believe that God's going to take care of it. I believe that God's going to do it. Somebody shout faith. Faith. It's those wheels. Problem is, there's no gauge to see how much faith you got other than problems. Nothing 
will force you to look inward like a trial. You think you're doing good. You think you're doing good. Oh, I'm good. I got faith in God. Wham! Let something hit. That's when you start realizing, maybe I need to be a little bit closer to God. Maybe I need to pray a little bit more. Because God won't give you a trial that you're not ready for. But he will give you a trial that will force your faith to grow. Think about it. You go to 12th grade, they're not going to give you what you did in first grade. There's no growth. It's not challenging you. There always has to be something to force you to grow, to force you to expand your knowledge. So it is in the kingdom of God. Bible says therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It indicates that there are levels of growth in the Lord. And the reason that you're facing what you're facing today and not last year is because you couldn't handle it last year. You weren't ready for it. It would have crushed you. But now you have matured to the point that God says they can handle what they're walking through right now because your faith is growing. And, and, and the Holy Ghost understands and knows, the Spirit of the Lord knows just what you need when you need it. But what good is wheels without oil and without fuel? Can't go nowhere. You can't do anything. And so the Lord says, how be it? This kind, what kind? Faith that produces. This kind of faith, it does not go out but by prayer and fasting. Now we can say all day what great church we had. And I, we've had some unbelievable services in this church. You've been in some unbelievable services in your own life. But the whole point of what happens in here is to propel us out there. If you read the book of Acts, every time they had powerful church, you know where it went? It went out into the streets. And they began to talk. And people's appetite began to be stirred up. Speaking of appetite, people's appetite began to get stirred up. Oh, buddy, I could eat some fried chicken right now. I could eat a hot dog, and I hate hot dogs. Fried chicken be better. Amen. Hopefully you ate your meal before church, not after church. And so let's talk about oil and fuel. Prayer and fasting. Prayer is the method of communication between God and man. Just as God walked with Adam in the cool of the day, it's God's desire to walk with us throughout our day. There's a lot of people that want God to talk to them, but they don't want to talk to God. People say, I need a word from God. I need a word from God. When's the last time you just talked to God? 
in its simplest, purest form. Prayer is talking to the Lord. But here's where we mess up. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to use myself. Anybody ever felt like you were praying the wrong way? I think if we're all honest, that enemy messes with our mind. I've left prayer meetings more messed up in my mind than I went. Not because God wasn't there, but because I battled condemnation. Felt like, well, what's the use? I just babbled the whole time. I didn't do nothing right. We read highlights in this book and we forget that these people lived long, long, long lives. And we're reading their highlights. But living for God is a day-to-day journey. There's times you go to prayer. At times I go to prayer and tears are flowing before I ever hit the floor. I mean, it's just oozing out of me. I'm sitting here wondering who's saying all this because it's just a spirit of prayer. And then there's times I can't get five words out that make sense going to prayer. And the enemy just start messing with your mind. But the key is don't stop. Don't stop. Prayer is talking to the Lord. Prayer is what develops our relationship with God. Ephesians 3.14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul said, I'm going to bow my knees. This is why I bow my knees. It's because this is how I get closer to the Lord. I realize that prayer is not defined necessarily by an outward position. Some people pray kneeling down, sitting, laying down. I believe that each can have a reflection of our heart at times, humbling ourselves before the Lord. But there's no requirement that says you have to be in this bodily position to pray. Because I've had some powerful prayer meetings driving down the road when the Holy Ghost just moves upon me. But prayer is what strengthens and develops our relationship with God. The only way we can keep our flesh under subjection of the Spirit is through prayer. You stop praying for a little while and you'll realize how carnal you can be. That old man start kicking out that lid on that coffin. You realize just what, how valuable the Holy Ghost is. Amen. Let me tell you, I got a tongue that can knock you down so quick you don't know what happened. And if that old man starts hitting on that lid, I realize I got to go to prayer. I know that you may not think it. I mean, you may think I just drip love and honey. That's my weakness is my tongue. It's always been my weakness. My mama told me that. She constantly reminded me. That's my weakness. And we all have those weaknesses. Takes prayer to keep that lid on that old man in that casket. Reading this word is not enough. It's good. You got to read it. 
Well, you cannot read it and then neglect to talk to the Lord in prayer. Pride and self-centeredness is kept in check by prayer. I read a story about Benjamin Franklin when he was a young man. He wrote some rather scathing editorials, and many of which were targeted toward a Puritan preacher named Cotton Mather. And one day, Mr. Mather invited Benjamin Franklin over for dinner, took the opportunity to show Franklin his library. Franklin was quite intrigued with reading. In fact, he acquired one of the largest libraries in the world, consisting of 4,276 volumes. As they walked through a narrow passage into the library, Mather yelled back at Franklin, Stoop! Stoop! Not understanding what he was talking about, Franklin continued walking and soon found out as he hit his head on a low beam. Mather then instructed Franklin, Let this be a caution to you, not always to hold your head so high. Stoop, young man, stoop as you go through this world and you'll miss many hard thumps. It was Jesus that said about the camel going through the eye of a needle. And what he was saying about a rich man was that a rich man can make it to heaven, but uh, uh, the, the, the eye was a gate that that camel had to get on his knees and crawl through. And he was saying that People who do have things can make it to heaven as long as they stay on their knees and they don't get caught up in the things of this world. Friend, we can't let the blessings of God stop us from praying to the God that blessed us with those things. You read the book of Deuteronomy, you'll find instruction being given to the children of Israel where the Lord's telling them, when you get to that land that I promised you and you eat from vineyards you didn't plant and you drink from wells that you didn't dig and you're living in the blessings that I have given you, don't turn your heart away from me. Don't turn your back upon me because I'm a jealous God. And friend, when we stop praying like God wants us to pray, we become caught up with the things that God blessed us with. And we're telling God, thank you, but I don't need you now that I've got the blessings. Friend, we'll never have too much to not need the Lord. We need him on the best day of our life. We need him every single day. Hallelujah. Prayer helps us overcome temptation. Luke twenty-two thirty-nine. 39, and when he was at the place, he said unto them, pray that you enter not into temptation. Prayer gives us direction regarding the will of of God. Never been a time, never been a time where I needed direction that God didn't give me direction. You know how it came? Praying. Praying. I remember one time, this gentleman, great man, wanted me to come take his church. I was walking through that fog, didn't understand what God was doing. And Felt like I was in the darkness. And it was a good church. So I thought on the outside it looked good. I'd preached there a lot. Always in my mind thought I'd preach or pastor in a church that I'd preached in as an evangelist. And he took me to, when he, when he called that morning, I looked at the phone. The Lord spoke to me and said, he's going to ask you to take his church. And so 
he asked me to go eat with him at Waffle House, and I'm a Waffle House fan. I love it. And uh, I was going for a free meal. And we ate breakfast, and sure enough, there he goes at the end of it. He said, I want you to pray about coming to take my church. Well, I knew the answer, but I told him I would pray. A couple days later, he called said, well, what do you feel? I said, the Lord hadn't released me. I don't feel it's the will of God. He said, well, keep praying. I said, all right, I'll keep praying. So about a week later, he called again and said, you feel anything? I said, no, sir. The Lord said not to go. And I was so disheartened because I felt like that was the open door. I remember sitting in my little office in, the, in our house. I was sitting Indian style on the floor facing the bookcase, and I was just weeping and praying. And I was saying, God, I don't know what to do. God, I don't know what you're doing. I just feel like I'm wandering around in the dark. I don't know. And, and, and I need an answer, God. I need an answer. And I just began to intercede. Next day, I can tell you where I was at. I was driving on 190 between Ragley and, 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 and uh, Dry Creek, Louisiana, a little spot in the road. This lady called me an elder, elder prayer warrior in the church, and, and she said, Brother Tyler. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I was praying last night. And she said, the Lord told me to call and tell you that he sees just as good in the dark as he does in the light. And when the time's right, you'll know it. Friend, if I wouldn't have got a hold of God, I perhaps would have missed that will and that direction of the Lord. Prayer is what keeps us in that perfect will of God. So it takes prayer. But I want to also tell you that it takes fasting. We'll pray a whole lot easier and faster than we'll fast. Why the Lord didn't call us slow? Because there ain't nothing fast about this thing. But you want to find out what controls you, start fasting from it. You'll find out real quick what controls you. The Greek word for fast is nake to you something. Not Greek. It means to abstain from food. It's purest form. Fasting is abstaining from food. Now, people go on all different types of fasts now. Media fast. They say a media fast. Well, that's impossible. That's an oxymoron. Because fast means abstaining from food. Okay? So, you may be withholding media from your life for the purpose of draw closer to God or something else in your life. I know people that have given up golfing. I know people that have given up hunting. In other words, things that are controlling you, abstain from it. Abstain from it. The Jews fasted often. They had four annual fasts in commemoration of the capture of Jerusalem, the burning of the temple, the death of Gedaliah, and the commencement of the attack on Jerusalem. In addition to the four annual fasts, they had many occasional fasts. I dare tell you tonight that very few people fasted more than the Pharisees. But, 
They wore their fasting as a badge of pride because they had wrong motives. You know, you can fast and not produce anything if your motives are wrong. Number one, fasting is not a competition. That's wrong motives. If you're keeping tabs on who's doing what to see if you're outdoing them, go eat. I don't want to fast and not produce something. I want my fast to draw me closer to the Lord. And so we're not, we're not here policing because everybody's life is different. Everybody's medical condition is different. We're not policing. It's between me and the Lord. Anybody in your household, spouses or children, somebody fasted and somebody didn't? That's common. You feel to draw close to the Lord through fasting, you're not going to call the whole household on a fast. You're going to go on a fast. Try to get close because it's between you and God. So it's not, it's not a competition. Jesus said, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. When your motives are to impress people, instead of drawing closer to God, you have wrong motives. You have wrong motives. Pride wants the recognition of fasting. Look at me. Look, look what I'm doing. I'm fasting. I'm fasting. I'm drawing closer to God. I'm fasting. We got pride. We got pride. Pride's wanting a pat on the back. But fasting is the killing of the flesh, the humbling of the soul. Here's where the Pharisees went wrong. In their eyes, a fast was an outward sign of an inward condition. But to Jesus, a fast was an inward sign of an inward condition. Pharisees did it to be seen by men. But we're called to do it to be seen by God. Jesus said, wash your face. When you walk out of your door, make sure everybody, everything looks normal. Because there's a difference between being seen fasting and fasting to be seen. Now, you still got to live in the real world. And sure enough, when you start a fast, you're going to get all the invitations to go to lunch. People's going to show up with food. That's just, it's like that's the sign in the spirit world. Let's get them. So how do you handle that? No, thank you. I appreciate the offer, but I'm not going to be able to, to eat today. You don't go, no, I'm, this is day 13. <laughs> That's not what you do. You politely decline the invitation and say, I'd love to get together another time. That's being seen fasting. 
not fasting to be seen. The difference is in how you respond and the motives of the heart. Being seen fasting is a mere external event. You can't help it unless you lock yourself in your house for the whole time, which is hard to do. You're going to be seen. Fasting to be seen by men, as Jesus means, is a self-exalting motive of the heart. Fasting expresses. It does not create. It expresses a hunger for God. It does not create a hunger for God. It is showing God that I want you, and this is what I'm willing to put aside because I need you more than ever before. Amen. Stand with me now. The absence of fasting is the measure of our contentment with the absence of Christ. When you set aside food or set aside things that are hindering your walk with the Lord, it is showing God I'm this serious that I need to get closer to you. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. The enemy would love for us to become satisfied with where we're at. Have good church. Sing great music. Enjoy great fellowship. There's something in me. I just got to have more of the Lord. I've got I've to have a walk with God that reflects the book of Acts. Musicians, you can come. I, I've got to have three elements of power in my life. I've got to have faith, but that's not enough because faith is only going to take me somewhere if I have got fasting and I've got prayer. You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed in seven days how much more sensitive you are to the Holy Ghost just by what's going to happen over these next seven days. Just, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I've asked you to commit an hour with the Lord between talking to God and reading His Word. That's very doable. In fact, I believe we could say what that prophet said, or that, that man of God, this is your reasonable service. It's not unreasonable to want to spend an hour with the Lord. However you decide to divide it up, what I'm asking you is when we come off this fast next week, don't stop. I'm I'm, I'm praying that this propels you to want to know God in a more intimate way. Friend, if if we're doing the same thing that we did 10 years ago, then we're we're in trouble. If we don't know Him in a greater way than we did 20 years ago, then something's wrong. Bible says that deep calleth to deep. Anybody can stay in the shallow end. But I believe out there in those deep waters it's miracle signs and wonders. God wants to use you. God wants to use you in a realm of power that you've only prayed about. But it takes faith. It takes power. Prayer and it takes fasting. I'm inviting you to come. I I believe it'd be good tonight for us to spend some time re-consecrating. Lord, my faith, my prayer, 
Lord, my fasting. Oh, Holy Ghost, take us to those places. Whether you feel to stand or kneel, I just want you to connect with God tonight. The Holy Ghost is here. He's calling us to those deep places. He's calling us to those deep places. Oh, as they sing unto the Lord, let the Holy Ghost take you those places. God, I'm coming. I'm coming, Lord. I'm coming. 